Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to SaskAg Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sask Ag Today. It's brought to you by Milligan Bio, the leading buyer of heated and damaged canola in Saskatchewan, wants to buy your seed. Visit MilliganBio.com. Here's what we got on today's show. An expert is recommending farmers to buy their fertilizer now before the second half of February. We'll have more from SaskAgToday.com's Kevin Hirsch, who is at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Elsewhere, Canada and the United Kingdom are stuck in the snow, so to speak, when it comes to bilateral trade negotiations. And the opportunity to speak with Ralph Goodale, who is Canada's High Commissioner over in London, about that. And we'll have the farm weather in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Sask Ag today on the voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. Again, coming up first is Kevin Hirsch's report on fertilizer and why it's important to buy right now. This is Saskag Today with 620 CKRM Ag News Director, Ryan Young. Saskag Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection, and Farm Fresh Water. Fix your water problems. Visit farmfreshwater.ca. Producers who haven't yet purchased their urea fertilizer will want to do so before the second half of February. That's one of the recommendations from a session yesterday at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Kevin Hirsch, Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskAgToday.com, was there for the Global Fertilizer Market Outlook and has this report. The outlook was provided by Noah Bishop, a trader with ADM Fertilizer. ADM is a worldwide player in fertilizer markets. On nitrogen, Bishop notes that urea has dropped from the highs of previous years. Prices bottomed out in the July-August time period, moved higher in September and October, and then softened into January. Prices have rebounded a bit in the past week or so, with the price to prairie farmers currently around $700 a ton. Bishop has somewhat different recommendations for when to purchase urea versus ammonia. He starts with urea. If they wanted to buy today, I don't think they will see significant backwardation. They may see a little bit, um, but I think producers need to be uh, need to be very connected to the market and make a decision on uh, or purchase their product before we get into North American demand, which will kick in in March. So by the end of February, you ought to have your your urea or your uh, UAN procured. Uh, on the ammonia side, uh, like I said, uh, we've seen precipitous declines in ammonia pricing globally uh, due to oncoming uh, Russian export capacity. Um, and so the ammonia market will be a, a difficult balance between waiting for interior 
ammonia prices in the U.S. to catch up with the softening global prices, all while not getting caught on the wrong side that when demand comes forward, it pushes prices up again. So I think if you're an ammonia consumer, I would not lock in that price today. I would be quite patient. Um, Urea, you probably want to be doing something in the next 30 days. While nitrogen products are a better deal than previous years, phosphate is relatively expensive at nearly $1,100 a ton, and Bishop doesn't expect that to change before seeding. Our general expectation is that there'll be no change in phosphate prices or no dramatic change in phosphate prices as we move through to spring um, due to a backwardation in key inputs for phosphate production, namely ammonia and sulfuric acid. We, we do have a general expectation that uh, phosphate prices will see a reset in price uh, as we get into the summer fill time period. Ammonium sulfate appears relatively firm and is relatively high priced at around $500 a ton. Elemental sulfur is considerably less expensive per pound of sulfur. On potash, less volatility is expected than what we've seen in recent years. Obviously, we've got to keep an eye on the Red Sea issues. A lot of potash is produced in Israel, um, and it needs to make its way to markets through the Suez Canal. Um, but generally, we've, we've seen a stabilization. We've, we've found a market price now where I feel supply has met demand. Um, uh, and I, I don't, uh, we've already ran the experiment, right? What, what does $900 or $1,000 potash do? It kills demand. So, um, you know, without some dramatic change in the underlying market, I don't see as uh, a massive run in terms of potash appreciation. Again, we'll probably catch some seasonal appreciation as we get into demand in March, April, May. Um, so you may see slightly higher prices uh, once we get into planting, but I really don't think it's a product that will see dramatic shifts in pricing on it. It'll be relatively stable and less volatile. Potash is currently retailing in the $600 to $650 a ton range. Noah Bishop notes that a large number of factors are involved in fertilizer values. Unforeseen geopolitical events can quickly change the market. For Saskag Today at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon, I'm Kevin Hirsch. Coming up next on Sask Ag Today, they say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, that's what Canada and the United Kingdom are trying to do with bilateral trade talks, but there is one thing that is keeping them from finalizing a deal. We'll find out after the break here on Sask Ag Today on 620 CKRM. We're back with Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the program. Canada and the UK are nearing the 10th round of negotiations for a bilateral trade deal, and one issue is standing in the way of both countries expanding their trade portfolios. Canada's beef standards and practices is generally regarded as one of the best in the world, but the UK disagrees for the seemingly simple reason ours is different from theirs. As a result, no Canadian beef is able to go to Britain, while the British have full market access to Canada for their beef products. Canada's High Commissioner in the United Kingdom, Ralph Goodale, is close to the negotiations and says the issue remains a work in progress. The reason for that prohibition or that ban that British ban on Canadian beef going into the British market is because, they say, of our use of growth hormones in uh, our animal husbandry practices. And that's a, a, a common practice in the beef industry right across North America. It's not just a Canadian thing. It's in the United States as well. The use of hormones is a very, very common practice. 
and it's uh, perfectly safe and healthy from a, both a health of animals point of view and a, and a public health uh, point of view. Uh, there is absolutely no scientific basis whatsoever for uh, a ban based on the use of hormones. It is simply not uh, a scientific-based prohibition at all. It's purely a non-scientific, non-tariff, protectionist trade barrier. And um, it's something that the countries that really do want to engage in free trade need to move way beyond those old, outdated practices. Another layer is the UK wanting to join the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership. The 11 founding members, including Canada, are in the middle of a ratification vote to approve Britain's application to join. Goodale says even if the UK joins the trade pact, they must address their arbitrary ban on Canadian beef. And the agreement for the CPTPP says very clearly, if you have a measure in place at your border that restricts the flow of trade, then that measure has to be science-based. There is no doubt about the meaning of the CPTPP. Well, lo and behold, the United Kingdom wants to join the CPTPP. Uh, hooray! <laughs> they would make the, uh, the CPTPP bigger and more global and, and bring value to the marketplace and to the supply chains. But of course, the UK will have to adhere to the rules of the CPTPP. And those rules say you can't have a border measure restricting trade unless it is based in sound science and you can prove its scientific legitimacy. He says the issue can be resolved three ways. Beforehand at the bargaining table, through dispute settlement litigation with the World Trade Organization, or retaliatory tariffs. The goal is to have a deal finalized by March or April this year, but Goodale says it may take a little longer, depending on how well things go next month, when the next round of talks begins. You're listening to Sask Ag Today. Coming up next, we'll hear from Doug Falconer as he has the latest agricultural news headlines. Keep it tuned here to 620 CKRM. You're tuned in to Sask Ag Today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94 is brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers, and Migraine Exchange. Ready to market your 2023 crop? Head over to MigraineExchange.com and try their low-risk grain auctions. With 2024 well underway, canola has very little reason to get excited. That's according to analyst Wayne Palmer of Exceed Grain in Winnipeg. He says we're trading at levels unseen since 2022, and he doesn't see a reason why anything can rally unless there's something really unforeseen. Palmer says the speculative funds rule the roost these days, and whatever the funds are going to do, they're going to take the market wherever they want to. Palmer says farmers were long by storing much of their canola. For the last three years, prices were higher, but now it's a total reverse. He says prices are lower and farmers are looking for a miracle play on the upside. One such miracle would be a huge jump in exports, which are extremely unlikely at this time. 
Corn and soybean contracts hit new lows, while wheat saw its weakest prices in nearly two months on the Chicago Board of Trade during the week ended yesterday. Bearish production estimates for corn and soybeans from the United States Department of Agriculture's monthly supply and demand report released on Friday had major effects on prices. That's according to Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group in Chicago. He says they increased yields for corn and soybeans in a rather significant way. The USDA really did increase demand, especially on the corn side, because of the increased production. But they didn't increase demand as much as they increased production. He says that caught the market by surprise. Olimel is laying off 100 workers from its Red Deer Alberta pork processing facility. To support employees, the company is implementing an early retirement incentive program. Workers over 60 years old with at least 10 years of service as of January 30th would be eligible for this program. Any further layoffs will depend on the success of the early retirement program. And affected employees could be called back to work. Production and processing challenges are cited as reasons for the layoffs. In May of 2023, for example, Olimel announced reductions at five production facilities in Alberta and one in Saskatchewan. This reduced the company's sow herd by almost 30%. The union representing workers at the Red Deer facility are calling on the provincial government to offer support. The Philippines Farm Ministry says it has banned poultry imports from California and Ohio because of several outbreaks there of highly pathogenic avian influenza. The ban, which aims to protect the health of the Philippines' poultry population, covers imports of domesticated and wild birds, including poultry meat and eggs. All shipments coming from California and Ohio that are already in transit, loaded or accepted at Philippine ports before January 15th will be allowed entry if they were slaughtered two weeks before the outbreak began. In 2023, the Philippines imported 166,356 metric tons of poultry products worth $175.8 million from the United States which is the second largest supplier to the Southeast Asian nation, accounting for 40% of arrivals. Earlier this month, the Philippines halted imports of poultry products from Belgium and France, also because of a bird flu outbreak. The Baltic Dry Index, or BDI, a major indicator of bulk shipping rates, has dropped sharply over the past month after hitting 18-month highs in early December. Meanwhile, container rates have climbed higher over the same period as attacks by Houthi militants in the Red Sea have caused many shipping companies to divert their vessels. The BDI settled at 1,360 points on Monday, dropping 59% off the high of 3,346 points hit on December 4th of 2023 to trade at its lowest level in four months. The BDI is compiled by the London-based Baltic Exchange and provides an assessment of the price of moving major raw materials by sea. A seasonal slowdown, reduced congestion at Brazilian ports, and cancellations of some vessels headed from China to North America were all said to be contributing to the declining rates. 
And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your Saskag Today weather on your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM Farm Precision Weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary. Or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. I'm here with Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, yesterday the extreme cold warning for Saskatchewan was free and clear. And now it's back again. So in between that time, what happened? Well, we really didn't change much. What happened is we had a period where it wasn't extreme cold and they don't like to leave advisories in effect when they're not really applicable at that time. So it was discontinued. It's, it's possible it would be discontinued one more time. They may just leave it, though, through tonight because we're still back down to wind chills. Even this afternoon in the minus 30s, around minus 32 at peak uh, best bet this afternoon. Tonight, back to minus 36. And then by tomorrow, we should be done with it. It should be not only uh, ending with the extreme cold in the morning, but not returning. Tomorrow night, wind chills. Uh, even with wind up a little bit at night, the wind chill likely above minus 30. So not extreme cold, certainly not pleasant but not extreme cold. The uh, temperature this afternoon, close to minus 20. The wind just enough to keep that wind chill again in the minus 30s, around minus 32. Wind has not been as high as I think it may get at times. That's why I still think we're down between minus 32 and minus 36 through the afternoon and tonight. The wind will drop off tonight. A little snow comes in. Now, there's not much snow, but the wind being uh, 25 kilometers per hour or so will take that little bit of snow and whip it around a bit. Likely more blowing than accumulating tonight. We could see half a centimeter to a centimeter or so. We only dropped to minus 23 tonight. Tomorrow, we're up to minus 16. The wind drops off, so the warmer temperature, the less wind, that should take care again of that uh, extreme cold warning. Tomorrow night, we may not drop much at all, may even rise a bit through the night Friday night. Minus 18 and rising, wind chill minus 28. That is the lowest will be as temperatures rise, the windshield comes up. And I'm not really, really concerned about windshield on Saturday. Mathematically, sure, it's in the minus teens, but after extreme cold, it'll feel warm. Minus 8 is the high on Saturday with a sunny sky. Sunshine on Sunday. Some cloudiness rolls in. Next storm system brings in some light snow, and that continues into Monday. It's going to be a slow process of getting the cooler air mass out and a warmer air mass in. That snow proceeds at likely some light accumulation on Monday. And then uh, temperatures will be into the mid-minus single numbers Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Might even get close to freezing uh, by Wednesday. And then we slowly drop back. We likely stay above normal, though, through the week. Thank you very much, Phil. The normal highs for this time of year, minus 11. Normal lows, minus 23. Sun rose in Regina at 8.51 this morning, and the sun will set a little bit later at 5.28 this afternoon. Taking a look around the province in Saskatoon, Swift Current, Assiniboia, and Mooseman, minus 21 degrees. Yorkton and Melville, minus 20, and minus 22 in Estevan and Weyburn. The least cold spot in the province is in Island Falls at minus 16.8, and the cold spot in Cypress Hills at minus 24.4. Not too bad. In Regina, it is a partly sunny sky, west-northwest wind at 37 to 51 kilometers an hour, humidity 71%, temperature minus 22 degrees or minus 8 Fahrenheit, with the wind chill it feels like minus 37 degrees Celsius. And the barometric pressure is at 103.4 and rising. In Moose Jaw, some blowing snow, 
West-northwest wind at 44 kilometers an hour and the temperature minus 20. Again in Regina, partly sunny, west-northwest wind at 37 to 51 and the temperature minus 22. Back in a moment. Catch up with all your ag news anytime at saskagtoday.com. Now, back to Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This portion of Sask Ag Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. At the beginning of every calendar year, Discovery Seed Labs in Saskatoon produces a report on germination and vigor statistics from seed samples submitted following harvest. That report was presented last Thursday at the Saskatchewan Seed Growers Association annual meeting in Saskatoon. So far, seed quality is looking good. There is some disease in cereal and pulses, but they mostly come in at manageable levels. Sandy Junik is the Molecular Lab Manager at Discovery Seed Labs in Saskatoon. So germination rates are very close to what they were last year across all crop kinds. Typically, they're very good into the 90s for the most part, which is what we like to see, followed with a strong vigor as well. So from germination standpoint, crops so far are very good quality. The only numbers I really saw that maybe dropped off a bit from last year would be barley and then and then flax as well. Uh, any idea why those two crops? For some of the barley, it could be that there was a lot of crop that was still kind of out uh, when we got kind of a late rain, uh, late August, early September, and that can affect crop quality uh, when it gets moisture for a couple of days in the stand. And for flax, you know, it just seemed to be a bit of a tougher year for it, whether it was the drought conditions uh, in a lot of areas that grow it. And also, we haven't seen huge numbers of flax through the lab, so it could just be an indication that just not as much flax was grown this past year. Peas, uh, the numbers aren't that far off, but we're still looking at what, 12.5% less than 85% germ. Would that be mechanical damage or what would that be? Yeah, for the most part, those would be samples that, w- that uh, were harvested dry or came from areas that didn't have a lot of moisture throughout the growing season. So we are noticing that mechanical damage on them. The more those samples tend to get handled, uh, whether that's cleaning or moving from uh, one bin to another, we tend to see that mechanical damage increase and the germination drop a little bit. Here are the average germination stats for the various crops. Wheat, 96%. Durham and barley, 94%, oats, 96.4%, peas, 92 and lentils, 96.1%. Flax, 87.5%, with 20% of samples under 85% germination. As for vigor, it was wheat, 94%, durham at 91%, barley, 92%, oats, 92.3%, peas, 90.1%, Lentils, 92.5%, and flax had an average vigor of 82.8%. You're listening to Sask Ag Today on 620 CKRM. Coming up next on the other side of the break, Federal Tory Ag Critic John Barlow continuing to talk about Bill 234 ahead of the first day of Parliament when MPs return from their break. Again, keep it tuned here to 620 CKRM. You're tuned in to Saskag Today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. 
This segment of SaskGag today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumber yard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. MPs and senators are, will all be back in Ottawa on the 29th of this month when Parliament resumes following the Christmas break. It's also when supporters of C-234 hope the battered bill comes up for discussion in the House of Commons. Just before Christmas, the Senate managed to tack on two amendments after the bill hovered over the finish line in the Red Chamber for months. If the bill had passed, it would have delivered some much-needed financial relief to farmers and ranchers, as propane and natural gas used to heat barns and dry grain would have been exempt from the federal carbon tax. Instead, the tax rate went up again on January 1st, right before one of the worst cold snaps in Alberta and not only there, Western Canada in recent memory. Tory ag critic John Barlow explained what happens when a bill with a bill that is given a thumbs down by the Senate and sent back to the Commons where it easily passed three readings. On the last day before the Christmas break, we put uh, forward a unanimous consent motion to remove the amendments and pass the bill in its original form. Uh, we would have needed every member in the, the House to agree to that, but the Liberals said no. Uh, so that's making us go back to this more formal process. Uh, the, the problem is if the, the Liberals can delay it if they want by just continually putting up speakers. Uh, but again, we're, we're hopeful that they won't do that. Um, we can get, get to a vote on this. Uh, a, to remove the amendments would be the first vote, and then the second vote would be to pass it unamended. Um, if the votes to remove the amendments don't pass. This could go back to the Senate, and this could, uh, you know, start this process as a as a non-ending ping pong back and forth game. But uh, you know, certainly we're hopeful that that won't happen. Meanwhile, the Agriculture Carbon Alliance is calling on producers to help send a message about the carbon tax. Their campaign is called Show Your Receipts. They want producers to share copies of their natural gas and propane bills this winter, and the alliance will present those receipts to MPs and senators. You're listening to Sask Ag Today. On the other side of the break is today's market update. Here's the market update with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were up in early trading today. Durham is down two dollars and sixty-three cents to four forty-seven sixty. Canola is up ten cents at five ninety twenty-two, and number one red spring wheat is up thirty cents at three thirteen ninety-five. The rest were unchanged. Feed barley two forty two fifty eight, chickpeas eleven sixty eight forty four, flax five ninety one oh four, lentils seven seventy seven fifty, oats two ninety thirty two, yellow peas four forty six thirty eight, feed wheat two thirty eight forty six. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March is up three and a half cents to six dollars and eighty three and three quarter cents a bushel. Up next is the livestock report. The Saskag Today Livestock Reports on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now here are the latest quotes. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of January the 17th. We had some brave souls who hauled cattle on Monday and Tuesday. We managed to get a thousand head in the sort. 115 cows and bulls, a total of 11.15 for the day. This cold weather does not keep these buyers away. They were all here once again, 
a job well done to them. We say thanks to all the buyers. Cows were a bit higher and the bulls were steady. D1, D2 cows, 110 to 120, sales to 121, 122, D3 cows, 95 to 110. We had no old, weaker, or blemished cows this week, which was a, a good thing, I guess. Cows are averaging 116.50. From that good Esther Hazy area, 1,500-pound cows, they topped out at 124. Good bulls, 136 to 146. Bulls are averaging 136. From that good Foam Lake area, 2,100-pound bulls, they topped out at 149. Onto the pre-sort sale. Selling strong and active. Lots of good quality cattle here once again. Listen up. 420-pound black steers, 458. 500-pounders, 435. 575 red black exotic steers, 416. The 650s at 357. My favorite pen, 710-pound tan steers, 347. The 780s at 326. 850-pound steers at 309. And 950-pound steers at 283. Onto the heifer side, 420-pound tan heifers, 351, 500-pounders, 346, to 575-pound heifers, 330, the 650s at 321, 710-pound red black exotic heifers, 290, and 780-pound black heifers at 278. Highlight of the morning was one of my favorite pens here again, 710-pound black steers, they topped out at 351. And 710-pound tan heifers, they topped out at 296.50. A pretty darn good sale considering the weather. Pre-sort sale next week, 2,600 head consigned. Should be another good one. And first bred cow sale of the year, Friday, January 26, 225 head consigned. More details next week. We also added another bred cow sale on for Friday, February the 2nd, 250 consigned for that sale. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. The latest pork prices are at $172.40 per CKG. Up next, the Resource Report. It's the Saskag Today Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Experts say electricity grids in Canada are increasingly coming under pressure during extreme weather conditions. Alberta residents received an emergency alert last weekend urging them to reduce power use to avoid potential rotating blackouts during a deep freeze. Many parts of the country have also set records for electricity demand during recent years' heat waves. Data shows that grid alerts in Alberta have become increasingly frequent, frequent rather, during both heat waves and cold snaps. A report from the North American Electricity Reliability Corporation says much of North America is at risk of a potential electricity supply shortfall in the event of extreme weather conditions. On the markets, the TSX is down 12 points at 20,682. The Dow is down 57 points to 37,209. Oil is up $1.52 at $72 per barrel, and the Canadian dollar is at 74.10 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the on-demand Sask Ag Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. And that's Thursday's edition of Sask Ag Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.